Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler, where we talk about baseball and sports performance. With topics ranging from coaching, business, and player development, our goal is to bring you a no BS approach to development in baseball and sports performance. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, welcome to the episode of LT Brings the Heat. We're your host, Sean Laird, Adam Heisler. Uh, we got a question today that we're going to cover about youth hitters, and, and basically, uh, the question, I'll just go ahead and read this. We'll keep this, um, you know, quiet. I don't want to name any names here. Uh, but the, the guy sent us a message and said, hey, I have a young boy who isn't quite ready for lessons yet. Uh, but I wanted to ask, what are some of the common habits you have to fix in a young ball player's swing? Um, I would like to keep him from developing some of those bad habits as much as possible. So that's the question. Essentially, this episode is going to be common habits, common bad habits of, of young ball players, and kind of, you know, we're going to talk and have Adam, you know, kind of discuss his expertise on when guys should start lessons, um, at what age, and if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, hey, I like this episode, I like this idea, uh, we have an episode in the past that we talk about uh, how, when, and why of baseball lessons, and we really go into detail about when to start, what to expect, some of the common misconceptions, and so forth. And we touch on young athletes, but we'll kind of really focus on, on this episode today because um, there's a lot of common flaws at young ages and there's a lot of common strengths that certain kids have. One of them is energy coming off the top of my head. Um, so you can really utilize that when you're training them. Um, but, you know, before we get going, Adam, let's kind of uh, see what's going on with you, man. How's everything going down south? Yeah, everything's going good, man. We're excited. Uh, our state championship games are kicking off this week. So all that hard work that players have put in have made it to the final. I'm actually, uh, we're the family. We're headed up to Montgomery tomorrow to watch Mobile Christian School where Jennifer teaches. And we're probably about six or seven athletes that come in the facility train at. So it's going to be cool. It's going to be my first time getting to watch them on the field. So why not do it at the state championship game? And hopefully they, they bring it home for the guys and for the Mobile area. I think we've got four teams from the mobile area that are competing for it at the different age levels or different classifications. So hopefully we can do a clean sweep and bring four of them back down South. But uh, no, I'm excited about this episode because uh, interaction with the fans, anytime anybody's listening out there that has something, shoot us a message, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, an email, any of the above. And if you want your topic covered, it will kind of give us some information to talk about because we want to know what what is on your mind that maybe you're afraid to ask in person. So you just want to send a message in or if it's a listener that doesn't come to either one of our facilities that, hey, I want some input on what I need to work on with my young athlete or a coach or a parent, whatever it is, we'll be more than happy to cover it. So what's going on with you up there? Yeah, we uh, up here, we're actually getting ready to start bowl season here in a couple of weeks, as I know you guys are getting ready to start nights, and, and, and the high school season's coming to a close, which is kind of crazy. I feel like we were just talking about it just starting. Mm-hmm. There's two more weeks left in the season, um, and then they start uh, with sectionals, which is our first round of playoffs. In Indiana, like our, the way we do things, everything's single elimination. There's no seeding. Like, everybody gets to make the tournament. Um, there's a lot of flaws with that, obviously, but it is what it is. It's how it goes. So, um different teams play on different days. Like you might have one team playing on Wednesday and then Saturday and then Monday and other teams playing Thursday, Saturday. Um, so obviously with pitching and stuff, not everybody gets the, the, the fair shake at the yep. tournament, but it is what it is. It's the nature of the beast. So, um, but it's also going to be awesome and fun. I'm, I'm going to try to get out and, and watch a game or so um, with the schedule and see if I can watch some of our LT guys get after it. But it's been, it's been really awesome to see guys kind of, you know, grow and, and grow through the, the process and answer these guys' questions when it comes to adjustments and, and so forth. Because one thing I noticed as an instructor is, like, we could sit here and talk to the guys all day, um, and, but 
they at the ultimately at the end of the day, they have to execute on what we talk about. And, yep. you know, for the listeners here, like we have the same conversations with hitters all the time. Um, hitter, like of all the athletes in the world and all the, all the type of um, sports, like hitters are probably the most stubborn um, people in the world when it comes to, to, to hitting, because, you know, you can have success in, in the game of baseball uh, against a certain level of competition. And it doesn't transfer over. So, I talk to guys about that all the time, like, and we've talked about this a lot about addressing from slow pitchers to fast pitchers and high velo guys. So it's going to be really cool today to talk about the young guys because, you know, at the end of the day, those young guys, what's, what's fun about coaching young kids is they see ball, hit ball. They're just out there to have fun. Um, and so this is really cool to kind of sit there and go back to, to, to the OG, OG thought process of like see ball, hit ball, drive the ball in the gap, have some fun here. Um, but let's kind of start with you, Adam. So we've got a guy that says, Hey, my kid has some common flaws. You know, I want to make sure I set him up for success. Um, I don't even think he told us how old he was. No, he never, he never said, he just said he wasn't quite ready for lessons yet. So I guess young boy, maybe he's four to six years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of what's your input on, on, on some common flaws at that age. And we can go all the way up to eight, nine years old as well. And, and kind of what's your thoughts on the development process at that age? Yeah. At that age, uh, I know it sounds stupid. It sounds simple it sounds easy but all that stuff ends up working and working the basic fundamentals so Kobe Bryant once said that the best never get bored with the basics and that's where it all begins you lay your foundation at this young age like we talked about on that episode previous of building that young athletic foundation hand-eye coordination I was talking with a hitter the other day and it's almost like a process that each hitter will go through at the very young age of learning the hand-eye coordination bat-to-ball skill all right. We're just simply trying to take the barrel to hit the ball. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Just try to make it happen. And then as you start to get to that preteen year, it's kind of understanding your body and how to move it fast. Just try to swing fast, try to run fast, all the just trying to understand your body. And then when you're in the high school years, now it's you've got the engine built in the weight room. Now it's transfer back to is my path and my direction good? So it's just cool just kind of how the whole process works where at each age you're working on some different type of stuff. So at that young, very young age, it's let's make sure we're in a good balanced position from the get-go. So it's not rocking way back to the backside or getting way out on your front side. It's trying to stay as 50-50 as possible in a quality, powerful stance uh, with the bat, really just focusing on swinging the bat consistently. I would recommend hitting pretty much every day in your backyard if you have one. If you have a backyard that's big enough to hit wiffle balls or hit a tennis ball with a wiffle ball bat, like there's anything you can do to kind of just build hand-eye coordination throughout. And the more you do that, the easier the young athlete starts to pick it up. It's just like anything else. The more we do it, ultimately, the better we're going to get at it with uh, the reps that we're getting and quality reps of it. So let's keep it basic, simple with it. Get into a good stance, bat-to-ball skill. We're trying to, at that age – have a swing that's maybe like as level as possible, so to speak, at that young, young age, because a lot of them are they're going to grip the bat and they're going to what I've noticed with young guys is they want to kind of do like a sword and really chop it down straight down. And it's just the way they're kind of built right now. They don't really understand how to use that weight. So one, one trick I like to do with young guys is put a heavier bat in their hand because it really helps them understand they're going to have to use their core and their lower half to kind of swing the heavier bat through the zone. Sometimes that little t-ball bat or the bat they use in coach pitch is so light that they're just take their hands and it's literally just they're just chopping straight across their body so and then you have the extreme other of the guy that swings is literally straight up from like i've seen one where 
the tip of his barrel, like when he loads, almost drops down to the ground and then it works straight up to the zone. So now it's like a huge uppercut that you're working on. So at that age, it's literally just trying to keep it as simple and as level as possible. And then as you continue to develop up is let's start going from small wiffle balls to tennis balls to you have your T-balls now, then you have your the real balls that you use. And one of my favorite tools is the mini plyo balls that Driveline makes. They're pink. Uh, what I like about them the most is you can hit them in the backyard and you don't have to go chase them all over the place. Uh, they're not going to hit and break a window somewhere. They don't really go too far. So you're getting quality work in without having to have balls like chased all over the yard. So now you're really getting to work on that swing and work on – where you're making contact with the ball. So if you clip too much under these plyo balls, they'll do like a big backflip, uh, like they're backflipping and then they'll land straight to the ground. If you get too much on top, obviously it goes straight to the ground. So it's trying to catch it as square and flush as possible. And these are just some simple things you can do with your kids at home because not everybody is ready for lessons yet. And that's okay. I mean, it's not like, Oh, you have to be this certain age to come in to get work with myself or with Sean. It's, Hey, you can do these things in the backyard. And even if you want to come in for one or two days and kind of see what we're all about. And then I've even told some guys, like, if I know them personally, especially I'll tell them like, Hey man, there's no need for you to continue to come in here. If you can do this stuff on your own with them. Now, if you want to bring them back once every month, just to kind of do like a checkup and see, we can, we can handle that. But my goal for you is to hit every day or at least hit five days a week if you can. And it can be any type of hitting that you're doing. Uh, if you're on the tee, really working on having the tee. How many line drives can you hit to the outfield? Take them to the field. Try to do that. Uh, I'm a big fan of even at the younger ages is playing home run derby with young kids. Uh, I'll take Jake, my stepson, up to the field, and we'll go play home run derby on the t-ball field. And once he progresses past that, now it's all right, let's go to the bigger field. And if they can't hit it out from there, move them to the pitcher's mound or move them out to second base. And all they're really focusing on is that external focus of what do I have to do to try to make this ball go over the fence? And it's not so much about mechanics or anything like that. It's just letting them understand what it physically takes to make that ball go to the direction that we want it to go. So the, the, the fundamentals of the basics are very simple and they're easy and they need to be repeated over and over and over again. One thing that I don't think happens enough is soft toss from the side. I love soft toss from the side, especially with younger athletes. But I even had a high school kid in last night that recommended, hey, coach, can we do some soft toss from the side? I haven't done it in a while. And it really helps me stay square and stay through the ball. I was like, heck, yeah, we can do it. And he goes, and then afterwards we got to talking. And he, uh, he's like, why don't people do this enough, you think? I feel like this helps me out more than any other drill we do. And I think it's so elementary that we do at young ages that we just kind of get away from doing it. But Honestly, you'll be able to tell really quickly about who pulls off the ball, who dives in, who collapses, all from that side toss because you have to stay behind the ball and then you also have to stay through the ball. So you can get a good visual of who lets the ball travel to the zone and stay through, can hit line drives to the back of the net, and who can't. And that's letting you know that there's some swing flaws going on. So I would highly recommend side toss from the side, trying to hit low line drives to the back of the net, or if you're on the field, low line drives coming off the bat is what you really your focus on. But what's kind of some things that you like to talk about? I know we mentioned before about how balance is such an important aspect, but what are some other things that you've mentioned, Sean, that maybe you've worked with young hitters or either you kind of recommend to some dads that are looking for some advice? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned soft toss because that's something like my dad never played baseball. Like he was a football guy and a boxer. So one of the things that he could do well that most people can do, you know, your mom or your dad, whoever, your brother, they can soft toss. 
And as long as you know how to do it right and, and go for certain spots and contact points, like I always have loved soft toss and we, we actually are doing it right now in our, in our cycle right now, this spring, we'll usually kind of start our rounds with soft toss. Um, like you said, it helps you stay square to the plate because guys are so front side, pull side dominant uh, when they can't control their body, can't control their core. And I love, um, I, I feel like the last couple of months for me as an instructor, I've just learned so much about hitting um, and I've learned like, you know, firing the hips and hands and, and, and not thinking about so much of like rote, like being so rotational and trying to fire the hips as hard as possible. As long as you put yourself in a good position to hit, like if I tell a kid, specifically a young kid, like, Hey, rotate as hard as you can at the age that we're talking about right now, they're going to fly the front side open. They're going to go all over the place. The swing's going to go out and around because they don't know how. And, and it, that soft toss is a very valid point to kind of help sync up that kinetic chain and, and focus on the sequence and the swing. Um, so I'm a big advocate of that. And you also mentioned Kobe Bryant. And I remember, you know, back to the soft toss and T work that we talk about all the time, because I'm a huge advocate of T work as well. Um, I like things I, I call like anything coming to you, screen toss BP, I call linear work. And then obviously side work. I'm a big advocate of the side work. And, and Jay Williams one time asked Kobe Bryant um, before it was before a game, he showed up at the, uh, at the arena Jay, Jay Williams was doing some work and he was like doing some pregame work for like 45 minutes. He kept looking over and saw Kobe doing it on the other side of the court and Jay's going on and on. He's like, he's like, man, it was like an hour and a half later and Kobe's still going. I was like, what the hell is this? I can't keep doing this. I'm going to be too tired for the game. And he went over there and asked Kobe a question. Um, and he's like, what are you doing? Why, why have you been on the court for so long, man? It's like, do you do this all the time? And Kobe's like, no, I just wasn't going to let you finish before me. Mm -hmm. I was going to do more work before you. And, Later on, I don't know what that video was, but he kind of went into a process of people asking Kobe, like, why are you so good at these things? You know, like you're doing basic stuff in these warmups, you're, you're repeating the basic, you know, dribble drills, you know, shot drills, little things. He goes, I am at the highest of level that I'm at. I am so good at what I do because I am a master of the basics and I continue to do the basics. Um, so saying that, with young guys, it's not just young guys. I feel like guys at all ages was what I was talking about at the beginning of the of the uh, podcast about older guys and older hitters can be very stubborn at times because they can have success against an inferior competition and they think they can do that same thing against other competition and they get away from what got them. Like a classic example, I had a kid hit two home runs the other day and they had three Ks in a row. And all I asked him was like, was your head flying on his own? No, 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 no. And then I asked his dad, he's like, yeah. His head was flying on his own, looked like he was trying to hit bombs. I go, did you try to change your approach of trying to hit a home run? And he goes, well, I was trying to, I was trying to kill a ball. I was trying to create lift. And I go, listen, what was your approach when you hit those home runs? Ah, see ball, like be quick, like simple. And I was like, dude, like once we start having success, we kind of forget what kind of got us there. Um, and then we're like, well, this is who I am now. So this is what I'm going to try to do. And ultimately, we got to understand there's a difference between the approach and, and, and feeling real, which is what we talk about all the time. But to get back to the, to the young guys, man, like for, for what you were saying, I, I'm 100% in agreement. Like it, the balance, like the biggest flaws, I was sitting here just jotting down some notes as you were talking. Uh, biggest flaws for young hitters. This is anywhere from ages like that four years old. Like my daughter's in T-ball right now, so I'll use her as an example on how I kind of helped her swing recently. But from four years old to about nine years old, balance, chopping at the ball, not swinging hard, not swinging yep. through the ball, just kind of making contact and stopping. Um, old school guys would always call that a Cadillac swing where they kind of just floating and being soft through. Um, and then hands and barrel dropping. Now, uh, I will say for the hands and barrel dropping, 
that is very hard to control at a young age because it's very hard for them to control the barrel. I like using the mindset of keeping the barrel upright. Um, I always talk about 45 degree angles. And we always talk about holding them in that positions, but the flatter the barrel angle at launch position, the more what I've seen, the more downward and around the swing is. So if you see a guy after he loads and separates a young kid and the barrel dumps, like my daughter this past weekend, she had like three weeks in a row where she was hitting the crap out of the ball and tee ball and didn't need the tee at all. They were doing the coach pitch and she was crushing and this past weekend. She just started kind of being lazy, dropping the barrel and she was chopping everything. She was missing everything. So what we want to do is I always try to say like, Hey, let's get the barrel upright. And we want to try to make the barrel feel weightless. Like we want it to, we want to feel like it's more control. If the barrels falling down flat uh, for those that are listening and don't see what, what I'm doing on the video right now, you know, they're, they're going to naturally use the front side and try to get the barrel through because it's not an ad advantageous position. It's a weak position. Um, so they have to use other parts of the body to get the barrel through. So one, I always say like, Hey, let's get the barrel upright. Maybe it's a 60 degree angle, you know, 45 degrees hard for them to hold. So I, I kind of put her a little bit taller and that kind of helps her stay through the ball and kind of helps her swing path a lot. Uh, and from the balance and like young kids, like they're like kids are visual learners. Like you might have some auditory learners, but at that age, like you've got to have actual points and actual targets for them to focus on. So when her, she gets in her stance, I'm putting pieces of tape on the ground on, in my weight room on the, um, the hitting area. And I say, Hey, put your feet here every time. And I, I show her the plate in relation to the plate and she still messes up at times, but she's gotten so much better at being consistent. So now she knows where her feet are. I say, Hey, get square, get set up. Now she gets in that position. So we got to have an actual physical thing for them to focus on. Um, and that kind of helps with the balance. And we talk about, you know, getting her, her feet distributed, right. Um, I talk about ball of foot and, you know, heel and getting connected right there. She doesn't know what the heck that means, but I just get her in that position over and over and over and over. And she's getting better at, at that starting position from right there. Um, and from the chopping of the ball, this is what we started doing. So when she first started and when, as soon as you said this, Adam, I was like, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I watch all these T-ball hitters um, get up at the plate. They don't know how to use their body. They don't know how to use the barrel. So they naturally want to extend like they do no extension. So they'll go straight into an extension with their arms, extend their elbows, and then they swing from this lengthened position. Um, so it's a long path. And it literally looks like there's just a little chop. It's just the smallest little swing in the world. It's a little chop. So what I did is I was like, man, I, my daughter can't be rolling into uh, T-ball hitting like this. Uh, so usually I'm a big advocate of high T. And so I said, man, this, this, this high T thing, like, I think she's going to naturally start chopping down more. And what I've noticed with a lot of my younger Little League clients, if you put the T too high on the Little League clients that can't control their body, they lose their hinge, they stand up and they extend their knees and they try to get on top of the ball. So they're actually elevating their body to hit the ball and changing their eyesight. So I don't do high T as much as them. The older guys, we do a lot of high T. So with my daughter, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to set this up uh, chest high or not even belly button high. I'm going to use the low T, the jugs T, I'm going to get it as low as possible. And I had these little wiffle balls that have holes all over them. So I tilted that wiffle ball on the tee to where that hole was on the bottom of the ball. I said, Scarlett, you're going to hit this circle right here. Hit that circle every single time. And we hit two buckets a day, a couple days a week. And right after that, she started hitting line drives all over the place. And it was, it was really, really cool to see. And all I did, I didn't tell her to swing at anything. I didn't tell her anything. All I said was, hey, hit this circle on the bottom of the ball. That's all I did. 
So if, if you guys are listening right now, you have a, a baseball or a softball, just tilt the softball on the tee to where you have the two scenes parallel with the ground and tell them to hit that bottom seam. Um, and they naturally will kind of, the body will kind of auto-regulate and, and, and work naturally, start working the swing through. And yes, they're going to chop a little bit. They're going to get some feels um, and, and kind of get some understanding like, okay, this, this wasn't right. That wasn't right. And they also need that feedback. Like, obviously this is going to sound corny, but you know, over praise them, like be loud when they hit the ball really well. I'm a loud person. So I'm yelling, dropping bombs and stuff like that all the time when she's hitting, but like, they've got to hear that feedback. Okay. That was right. That felt, that felt like this, this is what I need to be doing. Um, and obviously I will say, you know, the patience with the young kids is very hard. Um, the guys, the guys that are coaching my T-ball team, my kids T-ball team, you know, they deserve medals because it's, it's definitely hard to deal with that stuff, but, you know, make sure they're swinging hard, give them actual visual looks. Like I can't stress enough, like having a place for them to put their feet, um, an, an actual spot on the ball for them to stare at to when they hit. Those are the big things to pay attention to. And, and if you just do those little things, you'll get good results just immediately from there. Yeah, I love the visualization standpoint. So if we're working on guys like you mentioned that maybe they're just they have a more of a downward approach angle, it's all right. Well, on the tee, let's go ahead and aim for that bottom part of the ball. So putting the ball like you were saying, where the one seam is on top of the other going horizontal and -hmm. having them aim for the bottom seam will help give them visualization. And then also you can do the same thing as even if they're older guys that are getting around the ball of now taking an axle two seam where they're going vertical and you're working on attacking the inside part of the ball. So very good point that you brought up there, that this is the basic stuff that is needed to be done. That starts off on the tee. That way you're actually aiming at something and these young kids are aiming and that's what their target point is. Cause I think a lot of the times we get so worried into where's the ball going to go, especially the young kids that they take, they pull their head off to see where it's going to go before they actually hit it. I do the same thing in my golf swing. That's why I'm not very good at golf because I end up taking my head off the ball and trying to see where it's going to go. <laughs> So in the baseball world of having visual points of what they're looking at, also having visual targets out in front of them of, hey, we're going to try to hit this L screen here or putting up a banner in a certain area of if I'm a right-handed hitter and I'm trying to stay through, I'm going to put the banner on where the second baseman lines up to try to really stay inside and stay through the ball. Is it always have to go in that direction? But as long, no, but as long as their feel is staying inside and trying to stay through, it's going to help them not, start ripping off and pulling out of there. So I'm a huge fan of vision points. Uh, if you want to get really cool with it uh, and you have a bucket of baseballs, take a bu- bucket of balls, put permanent mark on half of the I'm trying to hit this black part right here. That's my target point every time I aim. So even when you throw to them, that's what they're trying to get to is as that black comes into me, I'm trying to hunt that bottom part of the ball whenever it's coming in. Because that stuff is so important on how, how you approach the ball and how you make contact through the ball. I love the visual setup of where's my feet, because I feel like with young kids, it's always, where is your setup? And it's one time it's closed, one time it's open, one time it's narrow, one time it's wide. So they're doing all these different things, but they're not doing the same thing. So all those reps and maybe you hit 50 balls that day, but at least 30 of them were from different stances. They're not really understanding body coordination and body control. So get them set in that same position each time. Uh, I think it's really cool when you watch young kids that have either been taught this or maybe build it's been drilled into them that they'll come up, they line up, they look down before you have to say anything, check their feet, hands, right slot. And then it's like, all right, coach, I'm ready to hit the ball instead of just getting up there and not having a clue what you're doing. So if you can work on doing those things, you're already ahead of the game. And to kind of piggyback off the stubborn hitter. And I'm glad it just kind of clicked to me. Listen to you talk about this is we are very stubborn. We were as hitters and even hitters that we work with are, we're not ready to change. We think we, 
do everything the right way. So there was a kid that came in two weeks ago. He's a SEC commit to school in here. He's a sophomore. And uh, he came in, he had come from another place where he used to train. And I know the guy personally was the hitting coach is more like a hype man. He basically just gets him jacked up the whole time. And there's no like instruction. It's just, I throw you BP and scream and get you really hyped. Like you said, it has its place for it. But when you're at the level he's at now, it's, he needs to be having some constructive criticism to see, take his game to the next level. So he needs to be ready to step on campus and make an impact, not just, Hey, I'm ranked at perfect game by this, or this is my ranking with PBR. So I'm going to step on campus at this school I'm going to, and just expect to get going from the get go. No, it needs to be ready to make an impact as a freshman. So I sat down and we talked for about 20 minutes before we even hit. And I approached the dad first and I approached him and basically just told him how the stuff was going to be if he wants to start training here. And it was the best conversation I think I've ever had with the hitter because now he's been in pretty much three or four days a week, continuing to work on this because he likes to be coached. And he likes to hear that, hey, there's some stuff we have to work on. And this is a guy, like I said, that's committed to an SEC school that doesn't have to do that. He didn't have to make the change himself, but he knows ultimately to reach that full potential that he needs to be with somebody that's going to challenge him, that's going to tell him when some stuff's not right, not just always kind of pat him on the butt and tell him great job because it's easy to do that with those guys that are talented like that. I want the guy that's going to tell me, hey, you have to do this or otherwise you're not going to have success. And what he was struggling with was – not having success against the upper level pitching. And it was because of some super rotational hips that he liked to do. So what we have with him is basically, it's almost like trying to resist this hip turn that just keeps him on there longer. Uh, Tiger Woods talked about this when he was golfing back in his heyday of his hips were so explosive that he needed, he needed to feel his hands would beat his hips or his club would beat his hips. Now, when you watch slow-mo video, that didn't happen, but that's what he needed to feel in order to not fly off the ball. So it's pretty much the same thing that we worked on with him. And now he's able to backspin balls all over the place. So it's going to be fun to watch him this summer. But I'm just glad you brought that up because when you mentioned like stubborn hitters, as we all are, it's just you've got to have that right communication and connection with them. And I think more importantly than anything is like, yes, I feel like we know a bunch of as a coach and as hitting, but it's also how we communicate with these players because that's such a big key of earning trust uh, and letting them know that you care about them. And then also like, I'm going to tell you something when that you don't want to hear, but it's going to be good for you. So now they can really buy into like, okay, I, I understand what he's working on and why he's telling me to do this stuff. So there's just so much cool things that we get to do as coaches that we just went from youth hitters to now a high school hitter that's going to play in the SEC one day of all what we're trying to build here. And basically guys, if you're coming in for instruction, like we're there to try to get you better, not just to throw you BP, like we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, and uh, just get kind of get after it. Whenever you sign up for it, just know what you're signing in for and have these have these talks with Sean, have these talks with myself of what are your expectations? Why are you here? More importantly, because when that whole avenue kind of gets clear, now you can put a, a goal together and put a plan together to to reach that goal, that goal most importantly. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there about stuff that I've kind of been, you know, having epiphanies on, I guess, if you will, the last couple of months about, when it comes to stronger or more elite athletes, like, yes, we want them to rotate their hips hard, but at, at a certain point, that becomes more of an unconscious movement for a lot of hitters. Um, and it becomes more of a mobility concern if they want to rotate more efficiently. But a lot of times the elite hitters, like they've got to think about just hands to get it to stay square. So they're not pulling the front side. Um, and what I've learned in, in a lot of these things, like we've been focusing a lot on keeping we've been focused a lot on rotating the hips while keeping the shoulders closed. So we do a lot of pause positions, a lot of bottom half mm -hmm. first positions. 
um, getting them to rotate uh, the hips before throwing a medicine ball. Um, when we're on, when we're on our uh, developmental station at, uh, during lessons. Um, Cause a lot of times, like I, well, I had a kid that started uh, last fall and this was a younger athlete. So he's, he's, he's a little bit older than the, the, the four to eight year olds kind of the, what we're referring to. Um, I think he was 11 and when he started, but he, he had zero hip turn at all. And his hands and his swing was so kind of off. I kind of focused on that first and focused on his balance first. And we did the medicine ball drills and we just put him in these rotational positions. And before I even like, I never really was talking like, like fire your hips really hard. As I was watching his swing on video over the course of the first couple of months, like his hips were turning better because he was able to get into better positions. And it was more of like a, a natural, like unconsciously, he, like now he's starting to use his body more efficiently. He was starting to use his hips and the sequence was kind of set up. So it's, it's kind of cool. Like if you could put kids in a good position and you talk to them about certain positions, they kind of naturally start, they kind of start getting their body working the right way naturally. Um, it's hard to explain obviously without with people that are just listening right here, but you know, when it comes to starting lessons and I kind of wanted to touch on this for a little bit is, you know, it's, it's almost like a cheat code. If you get a kid at, at seven, eight, nine years old, and I say seven, eight, nine, some kids maybe need to be at nine years old. Some kids need to be at seven years old. Some kids are eight, whatever. I don't believe in four, five, six. Like you know, we have people at six year olds asking for lessons and stuff. I feel like that, you know, you just work on hitting the ball, hitting the ball hard. Same things we've already talked about. Um, but we actually trained uh, a team, a nine-year-old team this past offseason. And it was the first time we'd done team training in an offseason for an entire offseason for that young of age group. And we've trained, obviously, kids that young before, and we've seen phenomenal results. But we trained, like, a group of 10 kids. And I, I it was it, – seriously, it was absolutely crazy watching these kids from a velocity standpoint, from a hitting standpoint, from a pitching mechanic standpoint – hitting the ball to all fields, just teaching them just basic, basic, basic contact points off the tee, basic rhythm. And that's another thing is I, I focused a lot more on the rhythm and timing with the kids. And like I was saying before, how kids kind of auto-regulate and they found more barrels in that position. So if you're sitting here listening to the podcast and you're wondering what age to start lessons, go back to that episode we talked about the what, when, and why baseball lessons. But if you can start right around that eight, nine year, year of age, you can, they basically don't have like really dramatic flawed movements. They don't, they haven't really been playing long enough to have somebody that really jack up their, their mechanics. Do they, are they going to have some flaws? Absolutely. But they're not going to have something Their Their motor skills aren't, aren't fired enough to have something that's memorized where it's going to be too hard for us to fix. Um, so a lot of kids like we're fixing those things and helping those things. And, and it's, it's, it's really cool to see just by adjusting like contact points. So one flaw that I have is, is even T ball. I see coaches doing it right now. The kids that can't hit the, the coach pitch, they'll put the ball on the tee and they'll have them hit. They're not moving the kid. They're not moving the tee. They're not putting them in certain positions and it really screws them up. Like I had, there was a guy that was swinging on another team. They put the tee and it was literally maybe six inches away from his body. It was even even with his back leg and they were trying to swing. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on right now? So for those that are listening, if you want to work on contact points, I have a YouTube video that talks about contact points in the T, but if you're interested in looking at that, but basically follow the two to three inch rule. And what I mean by that is if you're looking at a plate on an inside pitch, you set the T up to where it's two to three inches in front of the stride foot after they stride. That's their contact point for an inside pitch. On a middle pitch, 
It's about dead even with the stride foot working to the middle of the field. And on an outside pitch, you're two to three inches behind the ball. It's two to three inches behind the stride foot. It's deeper in the zone for an outside pitch. I have an exaggerated oppo drill. Where we, we, we put it even deeper, deeper, deeper in the zone um, where we line it up with the belly button. Um, at that age, honestly, what I would do is I would set it up middle and I would set it up oppo, that two to three inch rule. And I would follow that and I would have them work in there consistently just teaching them to get that bat head out front, teaching them to stay through the ball and focus more on that middle third of the field, which is exactly what I've been doing with my daughter. And I, I, I'm sure in six months we could do another episode and I'll have more stuff. Um, but that helps keep the hands inside the ball. So if you're setting up the tee like that coach did on the, on the game that I was watching the other day, you got to give the kids a, put them in a position for success. Um, so that's just kind of some things I wanted to, to kind of touch on right there and, and to help. Like if I was running the tee ball, I would have a hitting mat on the ground and I would have spray paint where their feet need to be. And I'd have big circles where the tee needs to be set up for kids. Um, That $250 for that hitting mat, um, I think would be worth it to help if I was running a program like that uh, with a bunch of little league kids. So it just, like I said before, visual cues, seeing what they're doing. um, It's really, really cool to kind of see the growth. And and I I keep saying that, but like at nine years old, if you could see a kid that is, performing mechanically and performing physically like an 11, 12 year old, it gets you really excited to work with that kid for the rest of his career. So that's just kind of what I wanted to give the background on when, when it comes to like putting the kids in a position for success and how it correlates. Cause you'll utilize that for the rest of your career um, when it comes to doing lessons at an older age and hopefully playing it beyond that. Yeah. And with the younger athletes, a key point you brought up earlier is have patience with them. And I I know it gets frustrating at times. I've worked with them. Uh, I'm sure if you're working with your son, it's kind of the same way of when they hit one, two or three kind of bad ones in a row, it's hard not to want to pull your hair out. But like you said, celebrate when they do hit those good ones. So they understand that that was what it's supposed to feel like. Um, I think a lot of, and one more thing you have to understand that's going to happen is these kids may go through changes, like big changes when they grow, uh, when growing parts are, getting longer, longer levers are happening that they might have one fall, one fall season, the next fall season, it might be something totally different. So these kids are evolutionizing every time they kind of step on there, like something's going to change with them. So don't get frustrated with it. Just try to video as much as you can and then show them, let them be visual learners. Like you said, uh, from hitting is if they can see their self, a lot of these times, especially the younger kids, like you had mentioned, four through nine, four through eight, whatever it is, like they need to see their self to be, like, oh, dang, I didn't realize I am doing it that bad. So like the one kid that I was saying, his he would start even and then his literally his first move was hands drop. The barrel was almost literally or the tip of the barrel was almost dragging in the ground and then swinging straight. Just like <laughs> Like I hit my microphone, (laughs) swinging straight up. So they didn't realize they were doing it. So what they had to do was just do a bunch of reps. Uh, I would turn my phone around and make it look like it was a mirror. And so they could now see their self swing in the mirror and understand like, oh, okay, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Uh, Same thing goes for throwing at younger kids. This kid um, was kind of not even really, he would reach back, but then his next move was just like a little twist move, like rookie of the year. And then he would try to throw. And so now it's kind of taking that little hesitation twist move out of him and letting him see this is what it's supposed to feel like. So video and uh, in front of the mirror, uh, helping them, the BP mat, I love that idea of helping them set up something. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody listens to this and they go home and create this for either their team or create this for their athlete to kind of help them understand 
hey, this is where I'm supposed to stand. Just like you do when you get get on a ride at Disney World, hey, place your feet here, all right? Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm ready to go. It's the same thing when I'm hitting. Place my feet here. Here's where the tee goes. Swing and hit. Repeat every day. See what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and kind of what I want to close out with is if you are a parent and you don't know anything about hitting – please don't start coaching your kid and telling them stuff. I, I was in uh, lessons the other day and it's where I'm giving lessons at. I'm, you could still have public come in and see, and they use the cages and stuff. And I heard a dad just yelling at this six year old kid, like, Hey, do this, do that. And some of the stuff that he was saying was completely another ridiculous and, 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 and not helping and have patience. Like Adam was saying like that, that, like, and what he means by that is not only like, you know, slow to slow to get a temper, but if you keep telling a kid something over and over and over and he's not doing it, honestly, you're the one that looks like a dumbass because the kid physically can't do it. It's not like he's not trying the majority, like there might be one or two kids that aren't trying, but the majority of kids they're trying to execute, but you got to understand at that age, they do not have the motor skills. They do not have the hand-eye coordination. They do not have the proprioception or awareness of to do these movements. So that's why, like, let the ball be the feedback. Give them those visual, those visual points that we just talked about. And don't coach them if you don't know anything about hitting. I've, I've heard stories and I've had stuff, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody here, but I had a, a coach one time that was teaching a kid how to pitch and he was telling him to release the ball before his foot lands. What? And then I had another story about a guy that was saying, you need to be making contact with the ball when your strides coming down. What? Like that's not like, that's literally like those, if those flaws are taught at a young age, by the time they're 13 or 14, when you decide to bring them to, to Adam or I, it's going to take us six to 12 months just to fix the shit that, that, that was given to them. So I, you know, understand, like, just keep it simple. Let the ball be the feedback. Less is more with little kids. Like, keep it, like, I can't stress enough. Keep it simple. T-work, soft toss, like Adam was saying, and screen toss. I'm a big advocate of screen toss. I, this is, I wrote this in my book uh, when I wrote How to Build a Ball Player. This was like five years ago. And I was ripping on machines at young age and, and, and people put, put this single wheel machine and they put these dimple balls in the machine and they just keep feeding the machine to these six to eight, 10 year old kids. And literally the worst mechanics in the world proceed to happen when they do that. They're not strong enough to hold that position. They swing and miss 70% of balls. And I still see to this day, people doing that. It's not like that people, I have a voice where everybody's going to listen, but focus on T work, soft toss and the screen toss work. And then you can start doing short overhand and stuff that's going to change the game. It's going to help them so much instead of putting them on a single wheel machine. So again, if you don't know anything like the guy that started it, the guy that asked this question that, that sparked this podcast, ask questions, buy books, you know, understand what's going on. Like I, like I'm not going to sit here and advocate for myself. Like I sell my book on Amazon, but there's a ton of other people that do the same exact thing and that teach at a very high level. There's so many people you can get knowledge from go online, go search. You can, you guys can see what's going on. And to kind of help elevate your game so that way when you are teaching, you have confidence in what you're saying. But yep. anything else you want to add, Adam? No, that's it. Just do some research on yourself and keep it as simple as possible. And keep it having fun, too. I think that was one thing we haven't got to bring up yet. But, like, young kids are going to quit playing this game if they're not having fun doing it or if dad's yelling at them all the time or they're trying to make all these adjustments and be – don't compare – like we've talked about before, don't compare 
compare your kid to somebody else there because there may be some kids that are physically just bigger than everybody right now and they're getting away with some sloppy mechanics. So don't try to challenge them to be just like the other kid that's on their team. Just let them be their best self, keep having fun, and crush the ball. Like you said, keep it simple at this age and have a goal of I'm just trying to crush the baseball and let them learn that intent. That way that will carry over whenever they get to those teenage years and have to hone in on some big mechanical things. Absolutely. Uh, well, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, please leave that five-star review. Please like and share this if you guys see this on social media. Uh, we're grateful if you guys enjoy that. If you didn't enjoy it, don't, don't like and share it. But um, this, is, this is a good episode. This is something I wouldn't have thought about uh, talking about in more detail. So like Adam said earlier, if you guys got questions, send it to us. Um, we'll be able to answer these in detail because a lot of times like certain age groups that we're working with, we're kind of thinking in that mindset as opposed to that younger age mindset, like six years old and kind of helping them getting started. So until next time, guys, we'll see you later.